Welcome to episode four of White Blank Media Podcast. This is your host, Nick Kieser, along with friend Seth Rick. Going into Definitely. that, so... But anyway... Very um, packed show today we have. We we, lots of news uh, came out in the last week. Yeah, the last couple of days, honestly. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so... We get into it. We'll hop right into it. So Let's we'll start it. out with our thoughts on this. So, um, breaking news as of, I think it was, what, two it's cold days ago? I, it might have... Uh, it was. It wasn't too long. I mean, it yeah. might have been Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. So the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll hop right into it. Uh, re-signed Austin Matthews, um, and so Seth's got the numbers on that. So Seth, do you want to give us the numbers on that? Yes. Uh, the numbers on the actual contract. It's it's really interesting how his contract is set up because it's very similar. If you remember how they signed um, Nylander. Not too long ago, where they went mostly signing bonus, and so basically Austin Matthews came up that the five-year contract extension that'll pay him fifty-eight point seventeen million through twenty twenty-four, but the way the contract works out is it's mostly in signing bonus, which does not count against the cap. It's uh, this is where it's a, one of the big topics. Once we'll uh, we'll go over a couple of the stats here. And we'll get into what could end up happening because of contracts like Neil and Aaron Matthews. But the way the year-by-year breakdown, thanks to uh, Bob McKenzie over at TSM, his uh, year one salary, he'll get a $15.2 million signing bonus on top of a $700,000 salary. Uh, year two, it'd be another, it'd be, it works the same way, a 15.2 on the signing bonus and a 7000 on the salary. And year three, it's a $9.7 million signing bonus with a $750 uh, salary. $7.2 mil on the signing bonus and $750K on year four. In year five, it's a 70, uh, $72 million on the signing bonus and $7,500K on the salary. That's $54.5 million in signing bonus and only $3.65 million in the salary against the cap. So this is the way... Though the talks about what happened was like, how are the Maple Leafs going to sign all their players? Well, this is how they're going to do it. This is how they're going to be able to keep it under the cap is that they're going to use the signing bonuses. And the way the, what I'm going to get to real quick is talking about what could eventually happen is because the richer teams like Toronto, like LA, Pittsburgh, Detroit, you know, the teams that have lots of money, they're able to they're able to pay more on signing bonuses. To help out with their cap, but again, with teams like smaller markets, like Carolina, Florida, and other teams like that, they can't quite pay that much more because they don't have their money. Because it gets into, in their uh, the NHL is a revenue sharing league, so a lot of the top teams are helping pay for a lot of the teams that aren't making as much money. So teams like Florida and Carolina, in a way, have a uh, those Toronto teams have a more competitive advantage. And I'm gonna get over to Nick, and just, I think the implications of this man are gonna be uh, this could there's there's talk that this could end in a lockout, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on the Matthews deal, and then the uh, the larger picture of what this could happen to the NHL. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of rambled there a while. <laughs> so Austin Matthews, he is obviously well deserving of this kind of money. Right so um, I, I don't think anybody can argue that. <laughs> I, I definitely foresee him being someone that like a Sidney Crosby where he's not going to leave his team. And um, he's a great dynamic player that's going to make a huge difference in the Sorry, game of hockey. Um, 
So yeah, he deserves this money. It's pretty interesting to see his base salary being $700,000, but with it all being sign a signing bonus, as Seth said, and with all that that's going into it. So, I mean, it's pretty simple to say that, yeah, he's worth the money and he's going to stick around. He's got a five-year deal. So um, I definitely think the NHL is going to have to take into consideration that players and teams are taking advantage mutually to use signing bonus money from the team. So, well, here's the way to go about it here. The CBA definitely doesn't agree with um, a lot of this for the most part, but when it's time for RFAs to go to arbitration this summer, we might see a lot of argument um, and a lot of GMs talking crap about their players so they don't have to pay them as much. So um, we could see a, I mean, honestly, I don't want to see a lockout for the NHL, but it's a real possibility. So, um, so moving forward with just the thought on a lockout, I mean, we haven't had one in a while. Uh, I don't plan on ever having a year without hockey. That would really suck. I oh, mean, gosh. the last one we had was a shortened lockout, um, and we played 48 games that year. So um, definitely a down year for pro hockey. So I definitely think this is going to go somewhere, and I'm excited to see um, how Austin Matthews pans out in Toronto, and then I guess the lockout, we'll see what happens this summer. Um, so we're going to transition right into it, but, you know, I have a couple more thoughts on Matthews as well. Um, he's definitely someone that's going to be re regarded like in the future for getting trophies and Seth wants to share a tidbit here. Yeah, there was a, uh, it was something posted. I was on the, uh, NHL, uh, EA sports, NHL, uh, Instagram page. And it was kind of a, a five-year simulation for Austin Matthews, just kind of given like what Toronto could basically expect from a guy that they already know is a fantastic player. Um, and the 2021 season will have uh, 77 games played, and it will total 79 points with uh, 48 goals, 31 assists. And over the five-year span, um, he'll win two Rocket Richards in the 2021 and 2022 season and the 24-25 season, uh, in which he'll score 59 goals in the 21-22, and the 24-25 season he'll have 60 goals. And then in the 22-23 season, which would be his, he's going to win, it would say he win three trophies, which is the Art Ross, the Ted Jennings, the Jennings, Ted Lindsay. Ted Lindsay, I got, I got my names wrong on it. And then also the Hart Memorial, in which he'll have 79 games played, 54 goals, 63 assists for 117 points. So just a little teaser there for Maple Leafs fans and what to expect for um from a, for their their apps their franchise player and their face of their franchise and uh sorry Arizona I don't think he's gonna be coming to Arizona anytime soon. Nope. Hate to say it but I think he'll be a Maple Leaf like you said, I think he'll be a Maple Leaf for his entire career. Yeah. Um so I'm pretty interested to see how that goes. So um we're gonna kick it along here. Uh we have two uh lightning bolt topics. Um we're gonna hit it here quick. Um so the two things uh Seth do you mind if we I guess each share one a piece and go yeah, with you it. go ahead and go with the first one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so Koivu, uh, I feel for this guy. Honestly, oh, yeah. I'll share my thought on this. Uh, Miku Koivu has a season-ending surgery. He tore his ACL meniscus. Uh, I mean, that sucks. I had that happen my junior year of high school. Um, I know where he's, where he's uh, coming from. Um, 
that sucks, man. Uh, I know that really sucks. So I know that having 29 points this year in 48 games um, is something that you could have definitely capitalized on if this is you hearing him. But, you know, having this, I was only 17 when I had this happen. Uh, he's 35. So, um, I mean, it's definitely possible for him to come back and make a difference. But um, I'm kind of curious to see what Paul Fenton does, the GM of the Wild. He came over, came over from Nashville as the assistant GM. Um, just curious to see if he's going to get the band back together, try to grab a couple pred, pred guys from the minors. I don't know, but. Uh, he got Anthony Batetto last week. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the Wild do towards the trade deadline. And so, Seth, we're going to hop over to the next guy. Before we actually uh, – before we hop into mine, because I actually want to kind of get – because I just uh, I just got a, uh, an idea popped in my head about it was regarding Clayview. How do you believe that this affects Minnesota's uh, potential to get into the playoffs? Because they're one of those, like, bubble teams right now. I'm just I'm, they're around the – Eight, they're around the wild card spot in the West. Well, how do you feel like them losing their cap, and how do you feel much do you think this affects their chances? That's a great question. Um, I think, as I tell you a lot, time will tell. But I think with what's going on, um, you know how we saw a playing game last year between the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche. I would like to see that happen again. They, I, I think it'd be amazing. I think it's something they. I, I wish there would be a, there's some way they could do it to where they make it more. Mm-hmm. Because that game, I mean, even I, not being a fan of either team, I was like, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember I was watching that. So right now in the wild card, we have Minnesota in first, Vancouver second, which kind of surprises me. And then you got St. Louis and Colorado behind them. So Vancouver. <laughs> um, I think definitely one of these four teams are going to make the playoffs. For sure. Um, we'll see what happens. There might be a playing game situation. So, um, yeah, I definitely, like I said, I'm curious to see if a trade deadline trade is going to be made. Um, and we'll see where the wild goes. So Seth, you want to hop into uh, your next guy here? Yes. Uh, tough break for the Vancouver Canucks is they lose defenseman Alexander Edler. He's going to be out for about a week or so, maybe longer due with a concussion. Uh, he's got five goals and 15 assists for 20 points in 38 games a season. Uh, for a team that doesn't exactly have the defensive depth of a lot of other teams like the Predators and others, um, it's kind of really it's a really bad thing when you lose a defenseman, especially with the Canucks being a surprise uh, playoff contender. They they actually have a shot of making the playoffs, which nobody saw coming this year. Of course, nobody saw the uh, Elias Pettersson show coming. But um, I think this. Uh, Depending on if he's only out a week, I think the Canucks are going to be able to survive the storm. I don't think, but if this is somehow, if something like crazy happens and he ends up being out for much longer, um, I think it, I think this could potentially hurt the Canucks. Um, they definitely got to keep uh, they got to keep winning to keep pace in the very very tight bottom Western Conference because about that that middle to bottom part of the West is so close with teams like St. Louis heating up. And uh, Minnesota and Colorado. Colorado is struggling, but Colorado's got all that talent on that first line. Um, they really got They got to keep winning, be able to keep pace, and keep that spot in the West. But uh, tough break for them. I hope Edler and uh, Koivu both able to recover quickly and uh, get back to their teams. I know Koivu is out for the rest of the season, but hopefully we'll be able to see him next year. He's a really good player. He's one of my favorite players on the Zone Wild. Mm. Yeah. So that's a tough break for the minute for the. Yeah. So, wow, tough break for them too, but also yeah. a, a tough, tough break for both teams <laughs> for the Canucks. Um, so yeah, um, well, so we hit our two lightning topics of the podcast. Um, so we're gonna hop right into 
some local news here, as I always am trying to be. Local, well, not local, always but it's actually it's actually national too, though, because this could actually can be big. Yeah, this is the first like semi big moves of the trade uh, deadline season. Yeah, it's a monster main of trade. Um, so the Preds got center Brian Boyle um, from the New Jersey Devils for a second round pick this year in the draft. Um, he's 34 years old. He's got 19 points this year. He's a minus player, but who gives a crap about minus and stuff? But with some, his, with his role, it's some coaches do, some don't. But I mean, he's played 740 NHL games. He's also played on the Devils. He's <laughs> played for a lot of good teams, a lot of teams that need some more character to their locker room. He definitely brings that. He, he's listed as six foot six, but he's listed, he's really six foot seven. Not a big deal he's, there. Yeah. Um, he's a big dude. He's a he's force. Two hundred and forty-five pounds as he's as he's listed on NHL app. So um, he's a big dude. And also the Preds acquired um, forward and left winger, um, former bruiser of the Predators, Cody McLeod. He's thirty-four years old. He joins the Preds after being traded for a seventh-round pick, not in this year's draft, but next year's draft. Who needs one of those picks anyway? You could use it, but Nashville usually tries to get those back. So. Um, Great trade. Uh, Cody McLeod, when he was last in Nashville, it was when they went to the Stanley Cup final. Um, he played in a couple of final games against the Penguins, and the Penguins definitely did not like having their best players on the ice against him. So um, I would definitely be afraid if I was other teams playing Nashville right now because they're not to be messed with at this time of the season. So, um, But I think hitting more on Brian Boyle, uh, I kind of already talked about how uh, essential McLeod's going to be because he's going to fight and he's going to defend everybody that's good on the team. Um, Boyle is someone that is going to help us out on the power play. Uh, Preds are not good on the power play right now. Um, I couldn't tell you the stat. I know they're like something for like 30-something uh, in the power play stats right now. So um, they played Arizona on Tuesday, and they could have had chances to really bury them. They won 5-2, to two, but they could have buried them pretty bad. But um, – I think Brian Boyle is going to bring a lot of energy and a lot of excitement to this locker room. Um, he's kind of – he's a bigger body. I don't know why I'm, I'm thinking of this, but he's bigger than Mike Fisher for sure. Uh, his role is definitely going to be bigger as well. So um, I definitely think he's going to have an impact. I wouldn't really necessarily think of him as a scorer. He's just somebody that's going to come in the lineup and more than likely just absolutely plaster you to the wall, have big open ice hits, and – Honestly, he can have fights at necessary moments. So we'll see what he does. I'm curious to see what happens too. Um, and I think I'll touch on one little small topic of the Preds towards the, the the end of the podcast. I mentioned in one of the episodes I have a favorite uh, bottom six player. So uh, I'll share a little bit of news on that that I heard from a couple of guys that work for the Preds. So Seth, we're going to hop into our next topic unless you have anything else to say on the Preds trade. Well, as far as the Preds, I mean, you really touched on it. You know, Brian, I think the – Getting both pieces back, especially with uh, Ronaldo being out for the Preds. So McLeod comes in to fill in that spot for Ronaldo, and I think that was a really good move by them to get a guy who's already played in the system. He knows the system. He knows the, how the Preds like to work. He'll be an easy plug-and-play guy. That's awesome. And then with Brian Boyle, um, with a big body like that, one thing is nationally, you remember last year when they played Winnipeg, who is likely going to be a team they're going to see the playoffs again this year. Winnipeg, is their big thing is they have so many big-bodied players that they they pushed Nashville around last year. That's what they did. 
Um, so what Nashville needs to do, Nashville needs to get bigger body players who are able to, who are able to kind of not have Bufflin make as much of an impact on the game like he had last year. Uh, and guys like Brian Boyle, guys who are big, strong guys on the puck, I think that's a very good thing. He can chip in on the penalty kill. He can help us out on the power play because yes, we have a god awful power play. Um, I think he's a very, I think he's gonna, he's a very versatile player. He's got lots of playoff experience. He's a very good character guy to put in the locker room. Um, this is this is a great trade. I think it's a great move for the Devils. I think it's a great trade for the Predators. And um, yeah, great trade all around to get things going. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. For the trade deadline season. So Seth's going to hop into our next topic here. We're going to talk about Alexander Ovechkin and his milestone that he just achieved during okay. the earlier part of the week. I, I tell you, this uh, ever since he, I mean, ever since he won the cup, it's been a wild ride for Alex Ovechkin as he is now the he is the he leads the all he's the all time leader now for points from a Russian born player in the NHL with uh, his one thousand one hundred and eightieth career point. Uh, he passes, of course, uh, Sergei Fedorov for that spot. And uh, the argument that I bring up with this, I mean, it's been it's been a wild ever since he won the cup. It's been a wild little while for Ovechkin. He's breaking all his milestones. And uh, the idea that I want to bring up um, is 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 he the best Russian to ever play in the NHL? Because I mean, Sergei Fedorov was an, was an absolutely great player, but but Ovechkin has that shot from the faceoff circle that the goalies know that it's coming. They know he's there on the power play, but they still can't save it. They can't get it. There was there was a an Instagram post that came out not too long ago from the NHL, and there was a bunch of goalies talking about Ovechkin's shot, and that is one of the most unstoppable shots in hockey because of the way he gets it off, the way the how the puck moves when he shoots it. It's just, uh, it's a very unstoppable shot. And I look at that, and with that, and with how long he's been this good, I mean, it, it, what do you think? I mean, I personally think, I think he's the best Russian player to ever play. I have to say it. Okay, so. All respects to Fedorov, but, I mean, Ovi's okay. a great eight. Okay. So, on paper, Ovechkin is now the best, and he just won a Stanley Cup, right? That's, that's true. So yeah, No denying that. Here's my thought. So... Historically, right now, the player that's made the biggest difference on a team is Fedorov. Here's why. Fedorov was part of the Red Wings when they won consecutive Stanley Cups back-to-back. The first they did that, I think it was, they did it uh, 98-99 and then 99-2000 season. Um, They won back-to-backs. The next team to do that was the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, past couple of years before the Capitals won one this past season. Um, Fedorov changed the game um, a lot for one team. He also is sought after as a very well-rounded player. Um, he was hard to knock off the puck, and he was someone that always, always found an a, uh, open chance to shoot um, great playmaker too, um, and I think just based off of videos and highlights that I've seen of Fedorov, I don't remember ever seeing him in person. I probably did as a kid, but um, I think touching on Ovechkin now, transitioning kind of from that thought, Ovechkin, he, I think 
pretty soon here he will be regarded as a better historical player from the Russian side of the world. So um, I think we'll see Ovechkin probably win a Stanley Cup before he retires again, or retires, not again, but before he retires. Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely see the Capitals retaining him. Um, we don't have as much drama as per se to, as, as an example of the NBA, so you're not going to see some huge player get moved because he thinks this and this. Well, they got to suck it up in the NHL because a lot of guys are mature enough to handle that. So um, Ovechkin's going to be someone that you're going to see really pop off the next couple of years. Um, I think he's 32 years old. Uh, I think he's a little older than – I think he's older than Sid the Kid by one year maybe. I think they're the same age for like a few months out of the year. Um, but, you know, we'll definitely see him make a huge difference in the world of hockey still. Um, it's not like he's going to – it's not like he's going to fade away at all like anytime soon. So, um, so we're going to hop into our next topic here after talking about the uh, – I guess unanimously named, what the heck, unanimously named Russian best player of all time and Ovechkin. Talking about another Russian player here is Ilya Kovalchuk. So Seth, you want to hop into this situation? Yes, the um, the Los Angeles Kings uh, have had a really down season, very very disappointing season across the board regarding Kings fans as they uh, that. Uh, that first round sweep to Vegas last year, it looks like it, it, it has, it has uh, practically dismantled the team at this point. Uh, they're uh, they're struggling to uh, they struggled early in the season to get off the get off to a good start, and uh, had a couple key injuries on the way, and then now they are um, they are officially in a full rebuild, and their big signee over the offseason, Ilya Kovalchuk, has announced that he may be willing to waive his no-move clause to go and play on a contending team. And on top of that, the uh, Luke Robitaille, the president of the Los Angeles Kings, also sent a letter out to season ticket holders. And it was a situation that happened like with the Rangers last year that say, hey, um, apologies for the season. And that we had not – that we've, we've well – we're well under where our expectations were. And uh, – we just want to uh, thank you all for your support even throughout it. But we it's basically the signal of a rebuild. When teams do that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, we know we suck. Um, we're going to be rebuilding now. <laughs> we hope that you will still buy our season ticket packages. What? Um, but, yeah, the Kings are officially in a full-scale – are going to be about to get into a full-scale rebuild. I mean, the team is – they're slow. They're um, – they're still that strong team, but the problem is with the way the NHL is getting so much faster, you got teams like, I mean, you saw it last year in the Vegas series. Vegas just flew right past them. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't keep up with them. It was just, it was a complete mismatch, and nobody, nobody really saw that coming. Um, but this, I mean, this means to the Kings that it's after years of being that team to fear in the Pacific Division, that team that, like, if they get in the playoffs, watch out, because... I mean, you've seen them go from the eighth seed to winning the Stanley Cup. They are there's a team. If they get in the playoffs, they're just a team. They're the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. And um, I think that I think from now moving forward a little bit, you're going to start seeing a lot of players getting moved out. Uh, you may see Kopitar moved out. You may see Carter moved on. Quick could get moved. Um, 
A lot of players that are main, have been mainstays for the Kings are probably about to no longer be on the Los Angeles Kings anymore. And uh, one of those couldn't be uh, Ilya Kovachuk. And, you know, me being kind of a Kings fan, it's kind of disappointing on my end just to kind of see how bad they've been. But at the same time, they need to rebuild. They need to get they need to get younger. They need to get faster. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to get uh, what are your thoughts on it. I think it's uh, as far as in Kovachuk and you know, how the season's gone overall for the Kings and um, how how hard do you think this rebuild's going to be for the teams? Because their prospect pool isn't great. Yeah. Absolutely. Good question here. Um, I think the Kings are not a team to be uh, taken for granted, as you said, as they can still make the playoffs and make a difference. Um, So, you know, I really appreciate the fact that, um, that, you know, Robitaille was like, hey, like, we're not living up to anybody's expectations right now. And we're sorry for that. Um, and that's pretty cool of him to be honest right up front instead of it really being found out how he feels about the team. Um, very good PRE move there by him, just very smart on behalf of um, the organization. So kudos to him for that, honestly. Takes a lot of guts. Um, but I think as far as the rebuild, they did get rid of Jake Muzzin. You can go listen to that on our last podcast before this one. We touched on the trade. Um, but I think what the situation here is, now that Muzzin's gone, what are we going to see next? I don't know. We could see a slew of moves happening. Um, But the Kings are probably going to try to get some draft picks. I mean, they got a draft pick for Jake Muzzin, a first-rounder to be exact. So, um, you know, I definitely see them kind of picking up draft picks here, regardless of who they get rid of. And they'll try to get some package deals going. But, um, you know... The Kings are a team that they won't spend five years on a rebuild. This is They're not going to have that. Um, I think they're a team that is going to be fast enough and quick enough to kind of pick it up with the rest of the NHL. They got great young guys on their team. Um, and kind of having a heart for the Kings, as I do, just a little bit. Um, they definitely are a team that I'm, I'm always excited to go watch and always cheer for when they're not playing the Preds, of course. But... Um, we'll see them back for sure as a huge threat. You know, like like we're saying, they could still make the playoffs. They could still make a difference. They have to for them currently to get into the playoffs. They're um, they have to really they have to go on a really long winning streak because of how far because of just how far back they started the season. Um, pulling up the standings now for it, but it's, but with the how close that West is with all the teams that are in the middle. Like currently they are, they are 48 points and uh, Vancouver has the last wild card spot right now has 54. So they are close. The West is really close at the bottom of the middle part of this year. But as far as in them getting there, I just, they're going to have to, they're going to have to find some kind of new level that people haven't seen this year. In order for them to get there, they could they could do it, but I mean I, it's just been a really bad year for the Kings. It's that's this is not what you wanted to see when you're if you're a Kings fan and uh, yeah it's been it's been rough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, like I said, it'll probably be a solid a couple of years. I'm not gonna say five. We're not. They're not gonna be like the Ottawa Senators and have a issue with 
taking five years as what Melnick says it's going to take for them to get back into shape. So um, we're going to transition uh, into our next topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about more in depth about the Preds power play. So, um, you know, Seth, I've been talking for a minute. Let's start out with you for this one. Yes. Um, as it's been certainly well reported in Nashville, uh, I'm not sure about nationally, but the Predators – um, they kind of they kind of suck when it comes to having one more guy on the ice than the other team, or even at times two more guys than the other team on offensive chances. They were 0 for 34 on the power play uh, until the Coyotes game. Their franchise record was 39 consecutive power plays without a goal. That's thanks to Adam Vengen of the Athletic. Um, currently, as of right now, they are ranked 30th in the NHL, only in front of the Montreal Canadiens, in which they are actually tied. They have uh, this is as of this is as of February 7th. They have uh, 24 power play goals on 186 attempts for 12.9 percent. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have 22 goals on 171 attempts, so far less more, far less attempts than the Predators, who but they also have a 12.9 percent. So I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, this has been something that the Preds have struggled with all season, and it's it's something that I think after the first couple months, me and you kind of noticed it. Like, what's going on with the power play? This is not. This isn't. This isn't the Preds. The Preds usually on the on the power play and penalty kill are usually pretty good. Historically, they've been their special teams have kind of been their kind of thing. If anything, they can't score five on five. Right now, they can score five on five. They can't score five on four or five on three. So, we're not really sure what the problem is. We're hoping that Brian, there's the hope that Brian Boyle will bring that net front presence to the Predators that they have not had this season. Um, but this is a uh, this can come back to haunt the Predators. I'm a uh, I know we're still a couple months out from playoffs, but I'm already kind of starting to get kind of in my mind of who I'm kind of going to be leaning toward in the playoffs. And unless the Predators can um, can up these power play numbers and get these back to at least a respectable range, uh, because it, right now it is absolutely a travesty. When they get the 5-on-4, I, I groan. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. Um, especially when they pass, 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 and don't shoot. Um I really look at them and I'm like, with the power play, what they have, unless they can get it better, I don't see them how they're going to get past the Winnipeg or how they're going to get past these other teams in the West, like San Jose, because in the playoffs, when you, there aren't very many penalties called, so when you get those chances, you have to bury them. And the Predators, if they're shooting what is essentially a water pistol, when it comes to a power play, it's going to lose in games. It's going to lose them games. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you said Winnipeg, but, dude, Calgary's good this I mean, year, Calgary, too. Uh, yeah, Calgary. Which Calgary's just a team I don't – no offense to Flames fans. They're just a team I don't quite trust in the playoffs yet. But uh, y'all are having a very fantastic season. Yeah, I love Calgary. I love Calgary. It's just I don't trust them in the playoffs quite yet. Yep. But I, that's my personal thing. So – Here's what I have to say about the Preds' power play. So, yes, we got Brian Boyle. We just talked about that. That's going to be a huge asset when it comes to scoring and standing in front of the goalie, having a dude that's six foot seven. I wouldn't try to shove my blocker into his face or hit him in the back or try to give him a good ball tap with the goalie stick, but I wouldn't 
leave it out of question that it's still going to take an adjustment. I use this word a lot with Seth, even though like when we debate about certain situations during a game, yeah, we're going to have to see an adjustment period for both Cody McLeod and Brian Boyle. One's going to be playing a lot more than the other, just saying Cody McLeod's a pure grinder. He's there to protect guys during certain games. So see what happens. Um, But my take on it is the Predators are going to have to freaking step up. It's Philbuary, as most Preds fans say. Um, (laughs) Yep. So we'll see him uh, probably light the lamp a lot this year, kind of henceforth for our name. But um, I really think that he's going to do well this month as he he historically has done well uh, in this month and his whole career. So um, I'm kind of curious to see who else is going to step up. I think with a shakeup sometimes, even though you're not intending to be like, hey, you need to freaking wake up here and actually make a difference rather than sitting on your butt the whole time on the power play. I think it's really going to wake up some of the guys in the locker room as in like, hey, I'm watching you. I'm watching all of you. I'm the big watchdog in the press box and David Poyle, so I will move you if you don't make a difference. That hasn't really – I don't think David Poyle's made a visit down to the locker room, but if he did, I can imagine him having some sort of conversation based around – I've got my eyes on all of you. Don't take it for granted right now. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm definitely happy that we made a good trade, and it's something that Preds fans are happy about. So, um, you know, we just teased about how Calgary's a good team, but in the East, oh, my gosh. We have a great story in the Philadelphia Flyers. Carter Hart is perhaps going to be – well, he is going to be their future starter, but he's – on the team right now. And so, Seth, you want to start us off about the Flyers' eight-game winning streak? Yeah, um, the the wrath of Gritty has uh, come upon the NHL. Uh, everybody who was apparently calling the Philadelphia Flyers dead and making fun of the Flyers, uh, Gritty heard you, and uh, Gritty's not happy. The Flyers have won eight straight games, and Carter Hart has played his way into the uh, Rookie of the Year conversations with Elias Pettersson, which we'll get into on our next topic. But um, I have an absolutely fantastic turnaround for a team that literally, even I thought the Flyers were dead. I was like, wow, after they make the playoffs last year, these guys, are, um, these guys once again, goaltending is going to bite them in the back and bite them from behind and drag the team down with a team with Giroux and know they were going to be sellers at the deadline. Uh, Couturier is going to be off the team. Uh, Wayne Simmons may not may no longer be a flyer. Um, there's a decent chance they could become buyers this year. I don't think they will. I think if anything, they'll stay the course and just kind of see what happens. But um, just going over the eight games, they had a 7-4 to four win over Minnesota and a 4-3 to three win over Boston. 5-2 win over Montreal, a 3-1 win over Winnipeg, a 1-0 shutout of the Rangers, 3-2 win over Boston, a 5-4 win over the struggling Oilers, and then their last one was a 2-1 win over Vancouver, and they are at home against the Los Angeles Kings tonight. This is a team that, currently standings-wise, they're certainly not out of it. They are currently, they're certainly a lot better position than they were before, they have 54 points in 53 games. They are the second wildcard spots being held by the struggling Columbus Blue Jackets. 
who currently have 61 points, and the teams in front of them are the Sabres and the Hurricanes, who both have 58 points, the uh, Sabres, who have been struggling for the second or the second half of the season here, and Carolina, who is a team that I can seemingly never figure out. Um, but the Flyers, <laughs> it, it is not out of the realm that they could make the playoffs again. Maybe they can play Pittsburgh again, and uh, this time having Gritty on their side. But this is... um. This is this is a fantastic turnaround for the Flyers. I think if you're a Flyers fan, um, this makes you even more ecstatic of the future just with what Carver Hunt has been able to do in the short time he's been on the Flyers roster. Um, if you're Michael Neuver, Elliot, Stolarez, or any of the other guys on the Flyers, you're like, well, there goes my job. I'm going to have to find another team because Carter Hart looks like he is already the starting goal center for the Philadelphia Flyers. So, what's your thoughts on the Flyers, man? I know we're not the we're not the huge biggest Flyers fans, but this is one of those stories that you you have to smile at if you're a hockey fan. The comeback story like this. Well, if I'm a Flyers fan, I would say we're back. Like you know, we're we're a team that is really going to make a difference now. And you know, another team that is taking the East by storm is the can you name it, Seth? Montreal Canadiens. No, not the Canadians. Oh, we're not talking to Canadians. Oh, oh, the Islanders. Yeah, oh, the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, there's been differences. There's been certain one thing that's been very exciting to see this year is there's definitely been a lot of surprise teams that you didn't didn't um, didn't expect coming in. You didn't expect Montreal to be as good. More from the East than the West. Keep that in mind for sure. Um, you didn't expect Montreal to be as good as they are. I mean, dude, they're tied right now with Boston. They're three points back from the self-proclaimed world champion Toronto Maple Leafs. I know I'm getting kind of loud here, but this is this is this is crazy. They're better than Boston, honestly. They and they might be. Um, they're outside of power play, which they have somehow worse than the Predators. They got Barry Trotz. That's the Islanders. I know, but I'm saying the Islanders have Barry Trotz. Islanders have the Islanders, yeah. Islanders and the and the big the big reason why the Islanders have gotten as good as they are is really is He's really bad. Gets a test to how good of a coach Barry Trotz is. Um, Washington, you might end up regretting getting rid of uh, letting Barry Trotz walk because that might that might come back to bite you. Because this guy has got the Islanders looking like um, possible Stanley Cup contenders with a with a bunch of with a bunch of young guys and guys who you did not think would play this good. They are playing like a team, and I know this is getting away from the Flyers, but it's just it's so interesting to see the Eastern Conference this year and see the kind of teams. That are having remarkable seasons. I mean, Buffalo is having a remarkable season. They've kind of um, they've kind of fallen off a little, but they're a young team. They're they're turning it around. Uh, Carolina's middling, but they're they're not bad. It's just, dude, this is. I mean, out out the one the one one that we absolutely knew was going to happen was Tampa, and Tampa's Tampa's run away with the comp. They're going to win the President's Trophy without even sweating. I mean, it's over. Take the curse from the Preds, please. Please do. Um, but uh, let's get back get back to the Flyers because uh, I don't want I don't want to take away this glory from uh, Philadelphia fans. Um, this is this is a remarkable story, Flyers fans. Even if even if you don't make the playoffs this year, even if even if you get to the playoffs and you lose in the first round, you have to be absolutely joyful, over the top of happiness. Just seeing one how the team was able to come together and turn it around after after the after losing the GM and the head coach. That's that's one of the most remarkable things about this. Is the Flyers lost their coach and GM this year. They fired both of them. 
and they're in a, but they're about to be in a playoff spot. It's like this is, I mean, the, you, you knew the team had the talent. You knew. I mean, you saw they got to the playoffs last year. They had the talent. It was just a matter of them getting the right goaltender from behind them and then playing like a team. And now they are. And uh, I definitely think, looking toward the future, Philadelphia fans, there is a lot to be happy about, a lot to be excited about. And if this is just a little, like, teaser taste from Carter Hart, you might have a future Vesna on your hands, which we'll get into him in a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, actually, if you see Wayne Simmons get moved, which is the huge talk from the Flyers if there's a trade, I personally think um, you have to be optimistic about if he gets traded because, hey, you might get a good package deal. Especially here. now, with how good they've been. They, they might, might not be able even, to get a good deal for him. They might even not get rid of him, but I'm just saying, if it's something that the GM or whoever is interim uh, there makes a choice to trade, because, you know, they are in fifth place within the Metro, and I'd like to see them uh, really hop it up some, because... Um, they may need a trade to kind of shake it up some, honestly. So we'll see what happens. And so um, we're gonna train. We're gonna hop off the flyer train here, um, and we're well, gonna kind of, sort of, <laughs> kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. But actually, let's start with. Go ahead, since we're talking about the flyers, we'll reveal our first pick last. But so for Calder conversation right now, Seth's gonna start us off with who's in the conversation. So I, uh, I had just mis- mentioned that uh, mission, mission. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I had just mentioned that Carter Hart has played himself into the Calder conversation, and if you look at the stats, he certainly has. Uh, in 16 games played, he's got 10 goals and five assists, and uh, only one overtime loss. He's got a 2.48 goals against average and a 9.25 save percentage. Usually with save percentage. The mark of an elite goaltender is a 920 and above. Well, he's posting a 925. I know it's only in 16 games, but he has the Flyers in a possible playoff position. He's already won 10 games as a rookie. This guy looks like to be the real deal. Um, I mean, uh, do you do you think do you think he deserves to be in the Calder conversation? I believe he does. I think he's uh there's a I mean there's obviously a bunch of other guys you got like Miro Heiskanen in Dallas but I think he's a guy who just the impact he's had on the Flyers and giving them that that steady trustworthy goaltending on the back end is what they needed and I think it's it's showing yeah so Carter Hart is definitely the answer for goaltending as long as they don't screw anything up so um, <laughs> he's 20 years old um, he came in the situation for the Flyers after they got rid of their coach and GM. Um, and actually, he played one of his first games of the season, one of the first five games against the Preds, and the Preds didn't even score a goal against him. So um, that's pretty impressive considering the fact that he's been able to shut, he's been able to shut down some very top-notch teams, uh, some teams that are considered cup contenders right now. Um, but, you know, Carter Hart, you know, I forget how many shutouts he has. He might have three shutouts or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty happy about how well he did. And just, you know, I'm really anxious to see if they award him the best uh, rookie trophy because um, in, in years past, um, I definitely think that uh, it's going to be something that we'll see uh, kind of pan out towards the end of the season. So, um, you know, ahead from Carter Hart, you know, he's been a, actually, in my opinion, I watched him when I was some in Toronto, not live, but I watched him on TV because we had TSN. So, um, Elias Pedersen, um, 
good grief, this man. Um, he's awesome. This kid. This yeah, kid. <laughs> yeah, never mind. This kid. He's 20 years this old, kid. just like Carter Hart. He's got 47 points in 43 games. I mean, he's going to possibly get, like, close to 90 points this year. I hope he gets 90 in his first year. That would be amazing. But um, he's actually, like, little-known fact here. I'm just kind of sharing it. But his cousin is – Emil Pedersen and Emil plays for the AHL team, the Admirals, um, which is pretty, which is pretty goofy. But so uh, Pedersen, um, wow, he's like crazy good, and he honestly kind of reminds me of, of a Pavel Bure for the Canucks. I mean, not for size and, and physicality wise, but for how much he can score. Oh my gosh, this dude is able to step up in times where they need him. He's scored overtime winners. He's, he has scored game-winning goals. And at the age that he's at and the maturity that he has in his game, he's kind of like a Miro uh, Heskanainen because he's so mature and he plays like he's already 30 years old. So, um, you know, he is my win right now. He's my vote to win the Rookie of the Year trophy because – He's really improved the Vancouver Canucks after they really just – before they drafted them, they weren't very good. And after losing this, the uh, Sedine Twins, I mean, he's been a pretty good answer so far. So, Seth, what do you have to say about him being the best rookie of the um, year? Just, just like you said, he's got my vote. And he's, had, he's had my vote since, honestly, the beginning of the season. Like, just seeing that kind of start he got off to. I was like, if he's able to even remotely keep this up, he's got the Calder. And I, and I still believe he has the Calder. He, along guys with Brock Besser and Bill Horvat, have the Vancouver Canucks in a possible playoff position, which nobody saw coming. And, you know, Pedersen is a big reason for that. He is – what the ability that he has as a 20-year-old forward in the NHL playing against guys who have played in this league for years – and how he's able to just dance around him and put the puck wherever he wants to on that. It's it's amazing. It's really Vancouver, you've got yourself a stud for the next I don't know how long. For years to come. You got your guy, your building block guy, and then you guys still got your other young guys like Horvat and Besser. I mean, there's and then of course Thatcher Demko, who's been brought up to the NHL a little bit, is able to get some um, actual NHL playing time. Um, the future is bright in Vancouver, and I think it starts with Elias Pettersson getting the call to this year. Um, good luck. Love what Carter Hart's been able to do. Love what Heiskanen's been able to do in Dallas and a couple of the other rookies. But in all all honesty, Elias Pettersson for the Calder. I, I I just I have a hard time arguing against it. Yeah. Um. So great pick. I think we both agree on who we have here. So. Um, so in our next like minute and a half or two, um, we're going to tease the next episode a little bit about how what we'll talk about more or less about probably about half the time, like half the show. Um, we're going to be talking about the playoffs, pretenders and contenders. Um, so we'll look more into that. Me and Seth will do kind of our own like research a little bit, keep a look on the yeah. standings and watch games a little bit more. So um, with the uh... – with the divisions, specifically the uh, the West and even the East you know, being so close to kind of together, um, there's certainly a lot of uh, that. Certainly, this would be a really good topic and one that you might not, you probably don't want to miss because we're going to be sharing our own opinions. There's probably going to be some debate 
probably maybe a little arguing in between, maybe a little fighting, but uh, it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. But um, this is the strong opinion. Me and Nick are both pretty strong opinionated people, and we have our we talk our teams. So um, we will agree to disagree. We will on agree to disagree in the end, but to be proving our points, we might get into a little bit arguing, which is always fun. Um, but this is a it's a it's a show you're probably not going to want to miss. Um, it'll be probably next week, and maybe its own show will kind of make that decision. Um, but it's it's a very very interesting show. I'm very excited to do it to be able to look at some of the teams and be like, yeah. This team's really good right now, but guess what? I don't think they're as good as you may think they are. Or they think when they go, no, this team's really underrated. This team's a lot better than what people are giving them credit for. Mm, yeah. So um, definitely don't want to miss the show. Um, it'll be sometime next week. Me and Nick will make an announcement on it. We may make its own separate show, and we'll have like a show where we do all of our new stuff. And then we do a separate show sometime during the week than that. And then we'll also, on top of that, we'll be doing, uh, with the trade deadline coming up, We'll be doing a preview show for that, and then following the end of the trade deadline, that day we'll be recording a podcast, which will be up likely the next day after that, kind of, or maybe a couple days after, depending on the upload time. And, and maybe we maybe we'll try to get it up same day. We'll kind of see how it, how it uploads, but um, we'll be kind of reviewing all the moves and wh- which are the best, which teams won on the trade deadline, which teams got fleeced. Um, very, very exciting stuff coming up. This is the most exciting time for for hockey fans. This is the time where I'm like, what's going to happen? Who's going to move what? Who's going to make that move that might end up being the piece for the playoffs? Or who's going to make that move like, oh, this is this is going to change our playoff fortune, and it comes back to bite them in the end. Yep. So it's so, a great time. So we'll see the GMs whip out their smartphones. Uh, I know a couple of years ago when I watched a Edmonton Oilers behind the scenes show. Oil change. Oil change. Got they oil change. used a lot of Blackberries. So we may see uh, some tweets with some GMs with some Blackberries. But Uh-oh, So <laughs> the NHL trade deadline, I told Seth the wrong date, but it's only a few days before. So the tra- NHL trade deadline is three weeks away. It's going to be on February 25th. It's a Monday. Um, so we'll record something, we'll have it out. Um, just stay tuned for more. Um, and it's something that I'm excited to, um, talk a lot about with Seth. It's going to be my favorite topic that we've had thus far for our podcast. Um, and so, you know, I'm excited, like I did, like I just literally said, but you know, that's how we, that's how excited we are. We, 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 we just kept to keep saying it because that's how excited we are for this. Um, and this is always a good time. The first time me and Seth, I, pro- I think, probably talked in more in-depth about hockey was about four years ago almost. We were hanging out at my place on the trade deadline, trade I believe, deadline when it was when Marion Gabrick was, was traded from the Rangers to the Kings. I just remember that. So if you want to go back and see what year that was, I'm pretty sure that was 2016 um, uh, or 20, no, 2015. 20, I think it was 2014 because wasn't that year they won the Cup? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 2014. You're right. You are right, my good man. Because you're a freshman in high school. Yeah. So as I always like so to share at the end of the show, um, you know, this is really cool. Like, I have harped to Seth about my favorite bottom six player for the Preds for a while. Uh-oh. And Rocco, Uh-oh. if I tag you if I tag you in this podcast, Uh-oh. man, and if you're listening to this you're at all, for Rocco I hope you hear what I'm about to say. I am very proud, not even just as a fan, but as like if I was ever your teammate or something – I would be so happy to hear from you, to like call, like call and be like, dude, I 
heard from the GM, I get to buy a house and stay in Nashville. That guarantees you that you have made the team and you are going to stick around for quite some time. Not sure what that window looks like, but I'm pretty happy that I got that tweet notification from last week. So um, I'm pretty happy that we got to actually do that. So, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Nick. Uh, pump, pump Rocco's tires there a little there. Give him a nice inflating. Uh, but no, even what you said, Rocco Grimaldi, he's a, he's a great energy player. He's a great bottom six guy. I think he's a, I think for the Preds, he's a good addition. He is smaller than uh, what the Preds would probably want to go for. But even then, he works so hard. He's a very, he's that, he's that really gritty, hardworking guy despite his size. Um, yeah, he's a great, he's a great player. I'm, uh, I'm, I, if he, if he's going to be on the Preds roster for the foreseeable future, um, you know, it's sad to lose an AHL all-star, but you know, he's going to, if he, if he's good enough to stay on the show on a regular basis, I'm certainly happy to see him. He's Rocco's a guy that I, I'd be really happy to see in a Preds yep. uniform regularly. Yep. Um, and so Adam Vingan calls the fourth line Rocco's. I can't remember what he calls it. I think it's Rocco's like old timey. I can't remember what it is. You should go check it out on his Twitter, but he calls it Rocco's like something line. It's, it's really funny. It's I think funny it's, line. I think it's Rocco's like classic line or something. I can't remember it's what it is, but I like it a lot. It's really funny. So thanks for tuning in to our episode four podcast. This has been your host, Nick Keezer and Seth Griffiths. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more live podcast. Yeah.